It wasn't just on top of Mount Carmel that fire fell because God accepted the sacrifice. On occasion, to show that God accepted the sacrifice, they didn't have to light the fire to consume it. Fire came from heaven and consumed it in the Old Testament. And when we offer our bodies, I believe that's what was going on when they tarried at Jerusalem. They were not sitting around waiting for something, just waiting and doing nothing. I believe they were offering themselves living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And when they did that, something fell on the day of Pentecost. Amen. The fire fell. Because they were not just baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus didn't just baptize in the Holy Ghost to give power. It's the Holy Ghost. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Can you say that is not just zeal. It is the Shekinah glory that is is unique to the presence of God himself. It shines out of his goodness, his perfect holiness. And when he comes to indwell a human vessel, that fire, because of his presence within us, was seen on their heads. Amen. That's an incredible thing. That the fire that only attends the perfect purity and holiness of God is seen on the heads of people like you and me. That are not perfect and pure. But have been sanctified and purified by the blood of Jesus within enough that he can come and live in us. And the glory that attends his presence was seen on them. Cloven tongues as fire. You will see it in an artist's illustration. Looks like someone put a little candle behind their head. There was more going on than a little candle. It was the glory of God. Hallelujah. Just shooting up all over them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, there's more to this than sitting in church and looking bored. Come on. Come on. Oh, the view from up here is... Uh, and I'm not talking about you folks. I'm just talking about from the pulpit to the pew. Sometimes the camera will scan an audience when somebody's really preaching real good. And you look out at the audience and they look at him like a calf at a new gate. In other words, they don't know what to make of this guy. Amen. At, at 10 to 12, everybody's looking to see where Mickey's big hand and little hand is. Can you say amen? Amen. You know why? You know why? Because they've never met the Lord. Because if they ever met him, they would love him. Yeah. Remember that 50 song, To Know, Know, Know Him? I think Pamela wrote that about me, but it was way back in the 50s. Amen. To know, know, know him. And I do, and I do, and I do. Whoopi Goldberg made a, a what was the movie where she was a nun? Sister Act. Sister Act, yeah, she was in it playing a nun. Whoopi's far from a nun, but actors can do these things. Can you say man? <laughs> I mean, seriously, she's uh, starting a company now to give uh, some kind of uh, marijuana that you can take for menstrual camps for cramps for ladies. Gonna, probably going to, you know, just another way of. Anyway, there's other ways we're dealing with that without getting high. But whoopy, you know, whoopy is whoopy, and maybe that's why they call her whoopy. <laughs> but they sang a song in there. They took an old secular song and they made it uh, into a. Praise to God in the sense to know, know, know Him is to love, love, love Him, and I do. And I thought the average Christian church service on Sunday morning is not an intimate love 
praise to God. It's more of a controlled, non-emotional, you know, everything goes off and the choir sings this beautiful song with these beautiful lyrics without moving a muscle except their mouth. That's why I love to see the choirs that get lost in worship. And they get done singing, and, and they're, they're supposed to be done and, and leave, and, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord is moving, and, and somebody's got enough sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to say, sing that last verse one more time. Praise God. And in Pentecostal services, they used to sing it one more time and one more time. And as long as the Spirit of God was moving, we just kept on singing praises to God. Hallelujah. Let's sing one more time. I will bless thee. Oh, Lord, today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Aren't you glad that you're saved this morning? Is there any joy in it? Peace in it. Power in it. I'm glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. I've seen rock concerts. One time I was going across the TV dial and I saw people with their lighters out like this. Everybody had had their cell phones, rather, and they were just... They were just going back and forth. All those cell phones light up if you press a certain button. And all those cell phones and that huge thousands of people. And they were waving back and forth. And I didn't have the volume on yet. And I didn't see who was singing, what was going on. I thought, there is a powerful worship service where people are leading praise. And all of these people are praising God. Not a person wasn't. Hey, everybody's got a cell phone today. Everybody had it lit up and waving it. One mind with one accord. And believe me, worship was occurring. Worship was occurring. Make no mistake about it. The world knows how to worship their God. Can you say amen? They don't hold back. They're not reserved. They're very vocal. They're out front. And it was a concert in Australia. Where Elton John was singing goodbye Norma Jean. About Marilyn's passing. The Bible said in Romans 1. That when they knew God. They would not worship him as God. But they worshiped and served. Creature. More than creator. And you can see it. You see the deadness in the church of people who are, don't have a heart to worship the true and living God. But the God of this world is worshipped with everything they have and everything they are. Someone said the heathen worships the false God. The hypocrite won't worship the true God. So if we're going to point out truth and error, we need to do more than just give Scripture. We need to show the world through our worship and our life that Jesus is the living and true God and it's the best life there is and could ever possibly be. See those bumper stickers? It's the worldview. It says life is, and I won't use the word, And then you die. The hopelessness of life without Christ. Life without God. Accumulating everything you can. And death kills it all. I saw a Christian one. Same time when those bumper stickers were coming out. And it said, 
Life's a hoot. And then we go to heaven. Hallelujah. What a difference between what this world has to offer and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ today. I'm, I'm just happy to be a servant of the Most High God today. Hallelujah. I get up in the morning and before I turn on the news. Maybe you should try this before you get the news. Because it's all bad news. Can you say amen? Maybe you should, maybe you should try it before you get to work and hear the, what they're going to say on your job and the people you're going to interact with. I get up in the morning and before I return a phone call, I, you know, I, sometimes Chicken Little calls. And by the way, none of you in this room called me this week. Somebody did, but I get chicken little calls. You know what they are? They're Christian, but they don't have enough faith in God to trust Him, to have any peace. So, so the sky is falling. The sky is falling, brother. The sky is falling. No, the sky ain't falling, chicken little. If it was falling, you couldn't do nothing about it. God's on the throne. Sky ain't going to fall. Sparrow laying in the road, both feet up. Man, when the ox cart stops, this is a Chinese proverb. <laughs> he stops his ox cart, he goes over and looks at the sparrow laying there with his feet up, and he says, What are you doing laying here in the road on your back with your feet up? Sparrow says, Chicken Little said the sky was falling. Well, what do you think you're going to do about it? One does what one can. <laughs> you can't do nothing about it. But there's somebody that can. There's someone in control. There's someone who is bigger. There's someone who is not mighty. He's almighty. There's someone that doesn't have some power or most power. There's someone that has all power over heaven and over earth. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How big is your God? Can you say amen? So I spend a lot of time trying to convince chicken littles. The sky is not falling. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. Trust Him. Look to Him. Give Him glory. He will lift you up. Can you say amen? He will establish you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And I pray that chicken littles will become mighty eagles. That's my job. I want you to know I have an assignment. And you know what that assignment is? It's in, I'm part of the five-fold ministry. Believe it or not, I'm a gift to you. Praise God from the Lord Himself. As, as a pastor and an evangelist, I'm a gift to you. Praise God. Amen. I may not fit very well, some of you, but I'm still a gift to you. Can you say amen? And I know what He's called me to accomplish. And I know what He's called us all to be progressing in. And I believe before this service is over, if you've got a heart for God, I believe God is going to take some chicken littles and turn them into mighty eagles. I believe that. I believe the Word of God has that kind of potential. And I believe it has that kind of power to mature us and, and bring us into that place. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run. 
Once that begins to happen, you can't sing it anymore. It'll, it'll catch in your throat. It, you, can't, you can't say it. You can't sing it. Here, now, this is where we usually live. Well, I'm tired and so weary. But I must go home. I'm tired and I'm so weary. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not be... You can't sing it once you get running. Come on. Come on. You can't sing it while you're running. You cannot sing it. You're to run with patience, not walk, not stumble, not stagger, and not stammer. But to run with patience the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. Woo! Who is what? The author and the finisher of your faith. Can you say, man, consider him that suffered such a great contradiction of sinners against himself unless you become weary and faint in your own mind. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Can you say, man? We're going to sing one more song. Maybe I'm preaching now. I don't believe I can preach both sermons in any kind of time frame. But we got to get rid of the lethargy. We got to get rid of the chicken little skies falling. We, it's out of control and God don't make no difference attitude. We've got to get back to a place that the devil don't want us to get, but God is calling us to. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bonds and afflictions, they told him, awaiting you in Jerusalem. Paul said, none of these things move me. Can you say, man? Nothing moves me from what God has called me to do and God has called me to be. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Israel murmured, that they couldn't touch them. They came out of Egypt and nothing could touch them. Not even a dog could open his mouth to bark as they left. We don't have alarm systems. You can't sell a burglar alarm system in Plant City. If you do, they're crazy. Get a dog. Get a mean junkyard dog. Get a pit bull. Amen. And you know what? When I come home, I slam the door to the car at night. At least a dozen dogs start barking. They hear the door slam. They all start barking. You can't, you can't, burglars have a hard time in our neighborhood. Because when the dog, he walk, anybody walk down the street, dogs are barking. Amen. And one starts and they all start in concert. And my dog hears them and he starts barking. Amen. When they came out of Egypt, their deliverance was so complete by God. The Bible said not only couldn't the the, the the Pharaoh stopped them. The Egyptian army could not stop them. They were glad to see them go. And the Bible said that, listen, the, the dogs... I, see, God is a stickler. He doesn't want some kind of partial, some kind of leave you in a, in, in, in a fix, in a pickle. He said, no, when I deliver you, he the son says free is how free? He's really free. It's genuine. It's for real. And it's forever. If we'll keep trusting him. The dogs were not even able to bark. He said, you can't even bark at them. And you know what? You know what happened after that? You know what happened after? God's deliverance was so great. And it wasn't long 
before they begin to distrust God after such a great deliverance. And nothing could touch them. Dogs couldn't bark. Pharaoh's army couldn't hurt them. Until they murmured. Until they complained. And when they started complaining, if you think you're going to get God's attention by complaining, you're wrong. But you are going to get someone's attention. Amen? There's a devil that it's like putting out the welcome mat. It's like opening the door and saying what they say at the haunted mansion in Disney World. Come on in. Amen? Amen? You might as well to tell him, come on in. It's an invitation to the enemy. Nothing could hurt them until they complained. And when they started murmuring, it'd be better we die in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Snakes came. Don't know where they came from, but I know where they were coming to. Can you? I said, I don't know where they came from. But I know who they were coming after. And snakes by the thousands came because millions were bitten. Millions were bitten. And poison would have killed the entire Exodus people. And murmuring and complaining is killing. And allowing the torment of fear to come in and strangle the life out of our faith. And the very people that have a God that says, I'll listen if you will call on me in faith, are complaining. And I question, there's a difference in complaining and questioning. I got a lot of questions. I never, I, I, when I get to heaven, I, I, I won't have to ask. But down here, there's a lot of things I do not understand. But there's something I do understand that cancels the other. God is on the throne. God is faithful, sir. I know my Redeemer lives, and I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded through that knowledge that He's able to keep what I've committed unto Him against that day. And if I can keep, if I can commit my soul and its destiny unto Him on that day, I can trust Him for this day. Can you say, man? Can you say, man? With the same faith, I can trust Him for this day. And I declare this is the day. The Lord has made. He's in control. I will rejoice. And I will be what? Glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one more song and I'm going to try to try to just have a little more of the word of God. I've preached the sermon. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and finish the sermon. I've already begun it. If I get into my notes, I'll preach a different sermon and it won't be what God wants. So I'm going to stay on the track that we're on. Brother Taylor is going to come and bring his violin. Amen. And the reason I'm calling him now because I want you to be focused and give a chance for a transition just before we bring the Word of God today. But uh, he's changed my message. <laughs> Hallelujah. The message fits the congregation. And I've got hundreds of messages from years of ministry. But there is a message for the people that are here this morning. 
And we're going to receive our offering. I believe we can do that. It won't distract you, will it, if we're receiving an offering while you worship the Lord. And, and we keep that attitude in just a moment. We're going to receive the offering, and Brother Willie's going to come. Hallelujah. I am so stirred up this morning. You can see it. You can tell it. I am stirred this morning. Glory to God. On the way to church, Brother Taylor, God stirred my wife to pray from Plant City to here. She never stopped praying all the way. Amen. And, and I listened to what the Holy Spirit was moving on her to pray. I, my wife prays a lot, she, she, but she doesn't pray all the way from Plant City here every Sunday. But this time, she started praying in Plant City, and she didn't let up till we pulled up in the parking lot. And I listened to what she was praying because I wanted to hear what God is saying. When the Holy Ghost is on you to pray, you're going to hear what God wants to happen because He's going to put it in you so you'll pray it. Amen? And I thought, Lord, how we need this stirring. How we need this stirring. How we need this stirring. How easy it is to, to just got caught up in our distractions and responsibilities. We just get, we get mentally fatigued. We get physically fatigued. And I'm going to tell you, if you stay in mental and physical fatigue, it will affect your spirit before long. But if you get spiritually revived, it will affect your mind and your body. Amen? Stress that you carry constantly will compromise your immune system. I don't believe the boils on Job were a result of the devil just attacking him with sickness. I believe the boils, as many doctors believe, that came on his body were a result of a compromised immune system because of the stress of all the trouble that he had went through, and he had not yet come to a place of trusting God in his trouble. He questioned God, but he didn't trust God yet. But when the devil pushed him too hard, he didn't count on what was going to happen. Because Job, who had just got through questioning God, when his wife said, well, if God's done you wrong, and God's unfaithful, and God's untrustworthy, why don't you just curse him and die? And he said, I know my Redeemer lives. He looked past all his trouble and all his questions and said, I have a God who loves me, and he's provided redemption for me. And death itself, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Can you say amen? And, he, and, and you know what it allowed him to do? When you got the poor old me's and you got enemies and I got enemies and people have done us wrong, the devil's going to keep that bitter water coming up inside you. Amen. All that bitter water got out of him against God and against those who, who accused him <laughs> wrongly. And he began to pray for his friends that accused him. And the Bible said, listen, while he was praying for his friends, Brother Taylor, not while he was complaining and hollering at God, no, when he pray, and blaming people, when he began to pray for his friends, listen, God turned the captivity of Job. Amen. It was at that point, God turned the captivity of Job. And everything that he lost, God doubled up on it. And gave him more houses, more lands, more children. And he lived. And not only that, he got healed. And not only that, he got blessed with longevity. He lived to see his children's children's children. 
And he was already had children before that. Amen. God blessed him in spite of it all and doubled it up on him. Praise God. And blessed him with more than he had before the trial began. So at some point in our life, at some point in our life, we have to trust God with all of our heart and quit leaning to that that's going to confuse us, mess us up our own understanding. Hallelujah. God is so good today. I want to thank you for your giving. Do, do, you, do you want to see a victorious life emerge in people? Do you want to see it in yourself? You want to see a victory that, that circumstances can't just sap, sap it away as if it never existed? You want to see a victorious life in God. Amen. God has something for us today. I, I can't help it. There's a flow of the Spirit up here. If you were standing where I'm standing, and you, if you had prayed over the service, and if you see what I see Sunday after Sunday, you would know how much God wants to bless His people and make us a people of praise, a people of joy, a people of victory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And if that occurs, somebody's going to come up to you. And they're going to ask you what they're going to ask me real soon. I'm, I'm getting ready to give the answer. First, they've got to see something that makes them want it. And they see it. Because you know what they're questioning now? They're not questioning my happiness. They just want to know how in this world do I stay that way. Amen. And it's going to give me the privilege of telling them. Instant in season, out of season. You're normally not ready in the circle K, waiting in a line. But I, I, you know what I prayed? I prayed, next time I go in, let the li- line be down. Let there be nobody pushing, shoving. Let there be a space here, amen, where we can talk together. Because they're always complimenting me. And I want them to know where my hope is coming from. I want them to know I didn't win the lotto. Can you say amen? Like Doug said he did on April Fool's Day. Oh, man. And I was so looking forward to the tithe. Can you say amen? Oh, man. Y'all didn't see that, did you? Boy, yeah, he put on, he put on my wife's Facebook page. Well, I just won the, what, it, what it wasn't the lotto, it was the, I just won Powerball. Powerball's in the gazillions, amen. It's way beyond the millions. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, have mercy. He won the lotto. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. He's going to tie the church and loan me some money. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and then down the bottom it said, April Fool. <laughs> And I thought, well, it is April, and you are no, I can't say that. You, you can't say that because the Scripture said don't do that. So we're not going to do that today, Brother Taylor. Hallelujah. But God is good. God is good. And victory shows. It really shows. So the Bible said if you ever get the victory, get ready to witness. Because the opportunities are going to come. If you walk in victory in this fallen world with all this bad news, amen, if you got the victory in this world with all its bad news, you better get ready to witness. The Bible said be instant in season, out of season. Being ready to give an answer to all men for the reason of the hope that is in you. Can you say amen? 
Because they don't have it, they can't buy it, they can't get it. It's not for sale in any marketplace in the universe. Amen. But God gives it through Jesus Christ to every one of His children. We are not like others. It separates us. It segregates us. Hallelujah. Amen. From the world about us. We're not like others who have no hope. That's not just for the graveyard. That's for your front yard and your backyard. Amen. It's for our life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. They're without God and without what? Hope in this present world. And we're, we have God. The God of hope filled you with hope in believing. Can you say amen? The God of hope. Listen, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures that we might have hope. Biblically defined, it's the glad. Say it with me, the glad. Anticipation of future good. Hallelujah. Amen. I was raised listening to Oral Roberts on the radio when I was little, dying of cancer. I said, God is a healer. There's hope for me. Amen. My parents didn't yet get a hold of it, but my dad had hope. Let's get him to church. Let's get him prayed for. Hallelujah. There's a God in heaven that loves us and loves my son. Glory to God. And the radio broadcast would come on this way. Something good is going to happen to you. Happen to you this very day. Something good is going to happen to you. For Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Oh, what, a, what was that to do? Give us hope. Hope precedes faith. You have to have a spirit of expectancy. And then you add faith to that to believe. Faith doesn't create hope. Hope allows faith to work. For faith is the substance of things already hoped for. Faith believes to receive what you're already expecting. And as David said, my expectation is from him. Can you say, man, it's not from Doug. (laughs) I mean, in in the sense of Powerball, it's from God. I'm not waiting till somebody here wins the Powerball to believe that God can provide and God can build us a church and God can make a way and God can take care of us. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good today. And you get victory, get ready, get ready to witness. But until you get victory, honey, the world's got all the sadness, all of the hopelessness, all the helplessness, all of the depression, all of the stress, and the stress of Job's trouble. Lord, his immune system. And the stress that we carry because we don't give it to God lowers ours. We live in a faulty human body. Amen. And you carry worry, you'll get the cold, you'll get the flu, you'll get sick with something because you'll get everything going because there's nothing in your body to fight it all. 
Amen? There's nothing. Snakes, snakes couldn't hurt them. Armies couldn't kill them. The greatest military force in the world couldn't keep them from leaving. But murmur, let the devil at them. And they, everyone, were bitten. Because they all murmured. They all complained about God's provision after seeing His deliverance. How quick they forgot. The Bible said they forgot the hand in Psalm 78. They forgot the hand of the Lord that brought them up out of Egypt. Yea, how often did they provoke Him You need God's help, friends. You don't need to keep provoking Him. You need His help from Him. How often did they provoke Him in the wilderness? God became so provoked with their doubt and unbelief that He said, I'll just kill them. That wasn't what He wanted to do. And Moses said, if you do, they're going to call you unfaithful. And that's what God was waiting on, a man to intercede. And when that intercession came, and the offering is being taken. And when that intercession came, God did what He willed to do. He showed them mercy. And the type of the cross was brought forward. He said, I want you to take... Out of molten brass, and I want you to turn it into a snake, the very thing that had bit them. And I want you to take a wooden pole, and I want you to put that brass, which is always representative of the judgment Jesus' feet was this burnished brass when he came to judge the earth in the book of Revelation. And I want you to take that brazen serpent, that brass serpent when it cools, and Put it on a pole. And I want you to hold it up on that wooden pole. And everybody, tell everybody to look. Not to some physician, some miracle cure, some kind of, 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 of medicine that they would make, some anti-venom. They didn't have any of that stuff. But they had a brazen serpent on a wooden pole that represented what? Jesus being judged for our sin. And all that looked, though poison was in their veins, everyone that looked by faith lived. Can you say, man? Everyone that looked lived. But they wouldn't have even got bit in the first place if they hadn't grumbled and complained And in essence, through that grumbling, complaining, accused God of unfaithfulness. After seeing what they saw. Now, we're a little bit different because I did not see the Red Sea part. They did. I didn't see the plagues in Egypt. They did. I didn't see God destroy a major part of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. They did. And the more we see God do, and the more we know from His Word, the more accountable we are to trust Him. Can you say, man?
So there's a point where we've got to get rid of that chicken little attitude that we go into a panic when the trouble comes. In quietness and confidence, the Scripture said, shall be your strength. In quietness and confidence. Be still. If you want... It's the last thing your body, your mind will tell you to do in the time of trouble. Be still. Be still. Remember that great song, Southern Gospel song, Be still and know that I am God. From the Scripture, be still and know that I am God. Someone said, when in fear, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. That's what the devil wants you to do. Can you say man? Be still and know that he's God. And listen to this. Stand still and see the salvation, the deliverance of God. Hallelujah. Be still, my soul, and know that he is God. Mm -hmm. Stand still. I don't know the rest of the verses, but that, that scripture. Be still and know that I am God that I am God that's a chorus yes still and know that I am God be still and know that I am God in quietness and confidence shall be your strength he will keep him In what kind of peace? Perfect peace. Isn't that an incredible offer from God? I don't have it all the time because of my mind. How many still got a mind? You know where it... My mind gets in conflict with my faith. I want to fix it. I want to figure it out. I want to... Lord, give me patience and hurry is probably my most... Frequent prayer. He will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth. It's not just thinking about God. It's not even just focusing on God. It's trusting in God. Because he trusteth in thee. He's made up his mind to trust the Lord. At some point, you've got to make up your mind. Because your mind will go this way and that way. And a double, a double, a double-minded man. He's not just unstable in his faith. He's unstable in all of his ways. He's going to be a mess up on the job. The last thing a boss wants is somebody that's double-minded. I really want this job, but I don't want to go to work. Well, then you really don't want the job, do you? You're double-minded. Nobody wants you to come work for them. You want the job till you get the job. When you get the job, you quit the job. They used to have job fairs where I worked. They give away hot dogs and balloons. They'd have a hundred people come and put in an application. Hire 20. 
Six weeks later, they're gone. They had to go to work. Kind of goes with getting a job. But they were double-minded. Like the two men filling out an application for a job. Really want to go to work. One looks over at the other and says, How do you spell rat? The other guy says, R-A-T. Why? He says, Because it says, When can you start? And I'm going to put down rat now. Can you say amen? I really want this job. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I know the bench is hard, but I'm trying to cheer people up this morning. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many want to get rid of chicken little attitudes? Because sometimes it's going to seem like the sky is falling. It's going to seem like everything is out of control and the devil's in control and chaos and crisis is all around us. And that's the time that we need to have a made up mind. And we used to sing it, and I'm almost done. He's going to play, and we're going to pray. Hallelujah. You're so wonderful to let us hook on to the Holy Ghost and go where he's going this morning. Do you believe he's got our heart and our attention, and he's got a message we all need to hear here today? Amen. We used to sing, I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, and I like the second verse. Well, I made up my mind to keep my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Well, I made up my mind to keep my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Well, I made up my mind to keep my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Praise God for a Sunday morning with all the crisis and chaos and chicken little rising up within us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've made up my mind to keep my mind. Timothy was in trouble. And people thought he needed someone to cast the devil out of him. And all he needed was a made-up mind. Oh, you didn't hear me. We think we did need deliverance from the devil. We never think a lot of our trouble is in our own gourd. Don't put that down as a nugget. That's not a good nugget. <laughs> Please don't. Put... Anyway, it's true, but it's not a good nugget to put down. I want to appear wiser than that and put it in theological terms. Timothy didn't need hands laid on him to cast out a spirit of fear because the spirit was his spirit. It wasn't something from the netherworld. It involved his own mind. Everybody say stinking thinking. Timothy, I know there's faith in you. Paul wrote him. You're beat down, you're beleaguered, you're beat up, you're battered, you're discouraged. And you've been had hands laid on, and the gifts of God are dormant, but they're inside you for the gifts and calling of God are what? Without repentance. But you can't use them in that state of mind, with that spiritual attitude. And atmosphere of your life. Timothy. I know there's faith in you. 
Because there was faith in your mother, Eunice, your grandmother, Lois, or vice versa. Eunice and Lois is the two of them. There was faith in your mama, your grandmother. Did he get it by osmosis, living in a home with people of faith? No. He got it because they had it from the same place that he got it. He heard the word in that house. And what happens when you hear the word and take it to heart? Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. He's telling a man that is discouraged and defeated, it ain't because you don't have faith. It's because you're not using the faith you have. Amen. He wasn't faithless, but he certainly wasn't faithful either. And there was something between him and the faith that was in his spirit. It was his mind. He said, God did not give us the spirit of fear. This is not a spirit from the pit. This is an attitude. This is an atmosphere in his spirit and in his mind. See, the hardest people to deal with is people who oppose themselves. We can get victory over the devil. We have victory over the devil. He's under our feet, spiritually speaking. We've been seated with Christ, whom God hath highly exalted and put everything under his feet. And we are his body, his members in particular. Praise God. Listen to me carefully. Can you wait just a minute? You're not too uncomfortable sitting on an old hard bench. Hallelujah. Praise God. God did not give us the spirit of fear. That's what he had. Fear had taken the place of his faith in his mind. But God gave us the spirit of power and love. And a what? A sound mind. Now we're getting down to the root of the matter. It ain't the devil overcoming you. You don't need deliverance from an evil spirit. You need to conquer fear in your mind. You need a made up mind to trust God. Use your faith and trust God. But you've got to make up your mind. Can you say, man, your mind matters. You're going to be conformed to this world until you get a disciplined and focused mind. Regardless of all God's done in your redemption. The Bible said, amen, be no more conformed to this world. That means pressed into the world's mold. It's, look at Play-Doh or Putty. The world's pressures will, if you become like that Play-Doh, if your mind is not made up, it will press you into its mold. You'll find yourself thinking like the world, having the world's value system, letting the world determine your decisions, can you say? You'll find yourself just like them instead of more like Him. And when you get like them, you're going to lose hope just like they are hopeless. And they drink to cope. And they toke to cope. They do drugs to cope. They can't find what they're looking for. They go from affair to fair, Man to woman. Woman to woman. Woman to man. Man to man. They go all over the place through every kind of sin and perversion. Looking for that will fulfill. And we're supposed to have it and display it and demonstrate it to them. Amen. 
Gifts of the Spirit are operated by faith. According to your faith, every one of them operates. And when you're not using your faith, none of them operate. Here's a minister, gifted of God, full of the Holy Ghost, laid hands on by Paul himself and the rest of the apostles, the presbytery at that time. And here's a minister who don't even want to preach anymore. And he said, it ain't because you don't have faith. The lie of the devil is you don't have any faith. Yes, you do. He, he knows you got it, and he knows the power of it when you decide to use it, when you make up your mind. Listen to James chapter 1. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men freely and upbraideth not. But let him, come on, everybody say made up mind. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, where? In his mind. Listen to this. He that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. You know what that means? At the mercy of your circumstances. If you have a good day, God is faithful, God is good. Oh, how I love the Lord. But if you have a bad, rotten, jerk through a knothole backwards day, can you, and you're going to have some of them as a Christian. I guarantee you in this world, how many are still in this world? Almost 100%. Well, no, not even a, near 100. But how, I'm going to give you one more chance. How many are still in this world? Okay. No aliens here from other planets. Amen. But even if you're from another planet, you're in this world right now. And you may be from planet peace, but you ain't on that planet now. You may be from West Texas, but you ain't home on the range this morning. You're down here in Tampa. You're going to hear some discouraging words. You're going to hear them in Texas, too. If there's any life on Mars, they're going to hear it. Wherever there's people, you're going to hear it. <laughs> Amen, Brother Taylor. If it's populated, you're going to hear it. Count it all joy. That takes a new mindset. Count it all joy. We're waiting on everything to work right to have any joy at all. He said, count it all joy. When you fall into divers, not like the guy on my job. He read about uh, divers. They brought in people with divers diseases, and he was a Sunday school teacher in a Baptist church. He taught the senior class, and he had he had. 250 people in his Sunday school class. A church of a thousand people. And he asked me on the job, he said, Preacher Bob, what does this scripture mean? They brought him people with divers diseases. I said, different kind, diverse, divers, diverse. And he said, well, I was wondering about that because how in the world... Could people get the bends back in those days? You know, when you come up too fast with the aqualung divers. But he was a good man, and he taught Sunday school, and 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 at least he got it right that Sunday. Can you say, man? I mean, you know, you got to read a little bit and study and dig a little deeper, like Willie does. Hallelujah! Praise God. Count it all joy. James chapter 1. Count it 
all joy counted. I have to have a mindset. My mind balks at that. When trouble comes, I want to worry. I really, really, really want to worry. And sometimes I give into it and I've got to catch myself and refocus and make up my mind. Your mind matters. It's powerful when you make up your mind. And you're renewed. Be not conformed to this world, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. For as a man thinketh in his heart, it's not, see, it's how you use it, it's the context. Sometimes heart means mind, and in this case it does. Because you don't think initially in your spirit. That's a soul part of you where your mind and your will and your emotions inhabit. You're a spirit. And you need your spirit filled with the Word. But you know what the Word does? It comes up from your spirit where it's sown. And it begins to renew your mind. And when you get your mind right. (laughs) Sometime did your mom ever tell you, you better get your mind right. I knew she told you that. You got it right too, didn't you? Right was do what mama's telling you. Amen. Amen. It's faith is sown in your spirit, but that comes up out of your spirit and renews your mind. The word sown in your spirit brings faith in your spirit. It comes up and renews your mind. And when it renews your mind, it comes out your mouth. For the abundance of the heart, mind in this context, what speaks? The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. Hallelujah. With the heart, man believes. It begins in your spirit. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Can you say amen? With the mouth. Say the mouth. You know what's in this mouth? What's in this tongue? Life. The power of life and the power of death. Can you say amen? Is in the... Oh, the bad reports, the terrible, terrifying, hopeless, helpless reports that float around in the body of Christ. Amen. How we need someone that will do like Hezekiah when they were surrounded and, and he stood up when they were surrounded and it looked hopeless and they felt helpless and it looked like there was no way out. They came to their king. Oh, thank God what was in his heart. God in his mind and came out his mouth it said in the midst of that chaos that crisis that hopelessness that helplessness and hezekiah spoke comfortably unto the people saying there's more with us than there is with them with them is the arm of flesh all that big army you can see that looks undefeatable and impenetrable they are surrounding us but they're declaring to you there's more with us than there is with them with them is the arm of flesh with us is the Lord our God he it is that will fight our battles you know what happened then you got to receive it by faith was it true Yes, it was. Truth would do you no good if you don't receive it by faith and act on it. Faith without works? Dead. How dead? Graveyard. Graveyard dead. And the people 
rested themselves. And the people what? Rested themselves. And the people did what? They rested themselves on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Why? Because he said it? No, because they knew it was God's truth. And it was true about God. Everybody say it was God's truth. And it was true about God. You've got to do something with the word when you get it. You've got to do something with the word when you hear it. You've got to get rid of chicken little and mount up with wings as an eagle when you get in the word of God and get it inside of you. Hallelujah. 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 They that wait. I was in Publix in Temple Terrace. You take a number. You take a number at the deli. In the Publix and Temple Terrace, that's not the ghetto Temple Terrace necessarily. I, the whole world's a ghetto now, so don't ever take it personal when I say ghetto. Amen. It is. The whole world is putrid and polluted and crime-ridden, and you can get robbed in birdines. You don't have to be in Wally World, which is Walmart. Amen. Or Black Blister used to be Blockbuster. Incredible fight breaks out. At the deli counter, people are impatient. They're waiting. They took a number. They, somebody looked over somebody and got somebody else, and somebody's cussing somebody behind the counter, and somebody come from behind the counter, and there's a knockdown drag out in Publix, in Temple Terrace, just about three or four months ago. Wait doesn't mean take a number and sit and complain that God isn't coming through. Patience isn't about just sitting down and taking a number and and murmuring and complaining. Wait means to bind together by twisting in the Hebrew. Bind together by twisting. You ever seen anybody weaving a basket? Or weaving, making a rope out of three different strands or four different strands? You weave them together. Is that passive or is that active? That's active. So waiting on the Lord is not passive. It has to be active. The word they heard was, you've got to do something. We're singing, when the Lord gets ready, you've got to move. The Lord's ready. It's our move. Can you say, man, we need to change the words to that. No, you don't got to move. You can just sit passive and complain. You can, you can go to your room without faith. Without focusing, without using, being renewed in your mind. You can go to your room, sit in the gloom, and ponder doom. You can do that. You can think about poor me. And me wants sympathy. And if nobody else will give it to me, I'll give it to myself. There's a song about some jilted lover, and it's a country music song. Poor, poor, pitiful me. I don't want to represent God's kingdom. As poor, poor, pitiful me. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. No, no. We didn't have no money. We left retirement. We left a good job. But the disciples that followed Jesus left all to follow Him too. And they said, we've left all to follow you. And Jesus said, well, did you lack anything? Nothing we really needed. We always had a roof over our head. Amen. Johnny Carson suit on my back. (laughs) Hallelujah. An irregular that fit me perfect. God knows how. 
God knows how. God knows how. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise God. God comes through. Even when people won't, God does. And you have to get a made up mind. James said, you've got to get renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's what Timothy needed. For God did not give him the spirit of fear, power, love, sound, sound, sound mind. Not the same word as sound doctrine. It wasn't about purity or unpolluted or unperverted. Singular in the Greek. It meant disciplined, focused. A mind that you control and you focus it where it's supposed to be. Amen? For as a man thinketh in his heart, in that case, it's mind. It can't be your beating heart. And it isn't just your spirit because you don't think in your spirit. You think in your mind. Come on. That's your soul, your spirit, soul and body. If you're going to think in your spirit, you don't need a brain. You don't need... Come on. (laughs) You you can be like the the Wizard of Oz. You can be like... Not the, the scarecrow. Scarecrow. What's he saying? He's just flipping, flopping around. What's he want more than anything else down at Oz? If I only had a brain, I could thank then. If I only had a brain. Let this mind. See, the mind has to change. The mind, the new mindset has to come. You can be a Christian and live a powerless, defeated, depressed life. There are pastors that are closet alcoholics because the stress of ministry is driving them to do what everyone does, try to find relief somehow. Prescription drugs are addicting people as much and leading them to further addiction all over America. I listened to C-SPAN three weeks ago, and there was a senator quoting statistics. We've got to control. It's too easy. People, doctors are writing so many heavy-duty, addictive drugs for pain. And we need our pain managed. There's nothing wrong. If If an aspirin helps a headache, for heaven's sakes, take it. But what we've got in America is an epidemic There's a spirit of addiction out here looking for a doorway in. And they found that more than pain is relieved through some of the heavy-duty painkillers. Not only is the physical pain relieved, but the mental stress. There's a sense of well-being synthetically, and it helps kill the anxiety of the pain is created. But it also kills the anxiety of all the other trouble that we're not giving to God. And we don't get addicted to getting our pain killed. We get addicted to having that pain within resolved. And when we can't find God's peace, we start looking for where the world looks for it. Here's the statistic. 80%. This is in the Congress and the Senate that are wanting to restrict the use Because too many people are not stopping 
with that they're going on when they can't get that they know what they can get that is very similar to that 80% of people that became addicted to prescription drugs became addicted to cocaine 80% 8 out of 10 they didn't start out to be junkies they didn't start out to be addicts they started out with a need but they found out more than the pain was addressed. They needed peace. And to help manage the pain, they have to address the anxiety. And the chemical that's released gives a sense of well-being, which the world can't give you. Jesus said, my peace I give you. It's not like the world gives. Because the only peace the world can offer is when everything is okay. And in this world, you're going to have tribulation. It's never going to stay okay. Something's going to be going on. Anna Rosanna Dana said it best on SNL years ago. If you remember her. I mean, something's always going to go wrong. Something's always going to happen. You live in a fallen world. You live in a faulty body. You have an enemy called the devil. And we don't need a synthetic peace. We need the genuine peace. Jesus said, I can give it to you, but nobody else can. i got to close with this. My uncle was with a prominent Pentecostal organization. He sat and ate lunch with David Wilkerson. He had a radio broadcast. He was the youngest man to achieve an overseership in his entire denomination. He cast out devils, laid hands on people, and they were healed. The last church he pastored before he got sick and addicted was 800 people. Before the megachurches came along, that was a big church. He was prominent graduated at Bible college. He hurt his back while in the midst of marital problems, church problems, stress tearing him up, nerves going. He got on prescription painkillers. Not light stuff, but heavy, heavy duty. I'm sounding a warning here today. You've got a pastor up here today. You don't have somebody you hired going to tell you what you want to hear and justify that that Satan is using to snare people. 80% of people are getting on cocaine because they're so addicted and if they can't get it from the doctor anymore, they go out and get it from the drug seller that will sell them something similar. It's a crisis in America. It's happening now in America. It's happened to good godly people. One person in rehab told me there was a judge in the same rehab. A judge! In the book of Revelation, it said, Neither repented they of their sorceries. And we think of witches and witchcraft and Halloween stuff. But the word sorcery in the Greek is pharmacos. That's where we get pharmaceutical. That's where we get pharmacy from. 
God knew what it would be like to live in a world that is as stress-filled as the last days are going to present them. People are looking for something. And if we can't find it in God, and if they can't find it in God, they're going to find it wherever they can because they are living in a hopeless, helpless situation. And there is no peace. No peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. They can't find it. They can't buy it. They can't get it. There's nothing wrong. There's so many good things. If you're taking an antibiotic for an infection, you need to take all of it like it's prescribed and kill that thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the shift that has come from faith in God to man is our only source. That has got to change in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. As long as man can supply it, then why do we need to begin to get our mind made up to trust God for it? Can you, but what happens when man can't supply it? And what happens when man, what man is supplying? The devil is going to use in certain cases, amen, to take us deeper into a dependence on something that man can give us instead of a dependence of what God should be giving us all along. My uncle got the heavy-duty stuff, and he found out after the men of the church prayed for him. And God healed his back. Supernaturally, the pain was gone. But the pain from the pressure of his ministry and the pressure of problems in his marriage continued. And he found that the same pill that helped the pain in his back helped the pain in his mind and the mental torment. And he went to the doctor and he got the heavy-duty pain and the mood-altering drugs. And the doctor saw that he needed to be weaned from them. Good doctors will wean you, not keep you going deeper in. And you know what happened? He went to another doctor. You get desperate when you're addicted, when the spirit of addiction gets a hold of you. You'll do things you never dreamed. People rob their mama. People will rob their mama. They'll spend the grocery money. This is a preacher with the Holy Ghost. Prestige. Biblical knowledge. But he found a substitute for God's peace. He would go to another doctor and get another prescription. Because he had a history of back pain, even though there was no more pain. God was helping him with his back, but he had to get something for his mind. Are you hearing me? You can be tormented in your mind. It's something Satan has access to unless you get a hold of it and focus it. So now he's going to several doctors getting the medication. It gets so bad, his marriage goes down the tube. His ministry goes down the tube. Now he, his children don't want to be around him. His wife has rejected him. His church don't, sure don't want him around. He's an embarrassment. And what does that do? Drives him deeper into mental torment. I used to get a call 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to come. And pray for him. And he would be in the bed, rocking back and forth with a migraine, hitting his head against the headboard. 
trying to find some peace and relief. And I said, Lord, as long as I preach, I'm going to sound a warning. This faith business is not child's play. It's vitally important. This murmuring, this murmuring, this complaining, this accusing God of unfaithfulness without saying it in those words, but in attitude. It's got to stop. It needs to stop. It must stop. The church needs victory again. Christians need to grow up and wise up and stand up and declare Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He really can give you what He promised. Because I've got it. Hallelujah. And I don't keep it. I have to grab my mind and bring it into captivity. It don't come willingly. There's a bull loose out in California. Headed for the slaughterhouse. He got loose. He's out in the middle of the road. He's doing his own thing. And they come and they roped him. And they tied him up. And they put him in a corral. He didn't want to die. <laughs> Amen. And some, 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 John Stewart, that crazy atheistic nuthead, but at least he had a heart for the bull. Can you say amen? I, I think it's pretty appropriate, all the bull he put out to want to save the bull. Can you say amen? So he went out, and I'll take my hat off to him. He rescued the bull. Put it in a trailer and pulled it himself with his wife. Took it to a, a place where they take in abandoned animals. Said the bull is not going to become, I'm sorry, no T-bone, no porterhouse, no hamburger. Can you say, man, that, not out of that old bull. No, I said he's going to live out his days. But he didn't come willingly even though they were trying to save him. He didn't, no, the people that were roping him didn't want to kill him. They wanted to save him. But he still fought it because I won't do what I won't do. I'm going to tell you about your mind. It wants to do what it wants to do. If your mind wants to worry, you're going to have to rope it, hog tight, and drag it back into where it needs to be. Amen. It ain't going to come willingly. I woke up at night. And saying, why am I awake? And my mind says, well, you're awake because you've got a lot on your mind. And I thought, why are you telling me this in the middle of the night? And I had to rope. And then it starts telling me why I'm awake. You're awake because you've got this issue. What if that happens? What if this don't happen? What if that? Wait, 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 wait. Hog tight. Drag it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing which is high thoughts in your mind, which exalt their self against what? The knowledge of God. Your mind will have you worrying in spite of everything you know about God. Everything you know to be true about God, your mind will still want to worry anyway. And you, oh, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. It's coming from your mind that is not focused or renewed in the Word. But God gave you the spirit of power. You're not powerless. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. He gave you the spirit of power and love and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. 
That's what it means to look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher, to focus on Jesus. Whatsoever things, whatsoever things. What's finally, brethren, listen, first he says, I gotta hurry. We're almost done. Are you ready to play that thing? Your hand isn't numb. We're gonna have this. I mean, it's in order. This is just a whole reversal of the order. Are you glad we followed the Holy Spirit? Are you getting something out of this? Hallelujah. I can see some of you going, Yippee-tie-yo-kaye. You got your rope out. Hallelujah. Though we are in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of stronghold. Where? You're going to find out in the next verse if you just keep on reading. Don't think of it as in the heavenlies. Their strongholds can be pulled down. Don't think of it over cities. There's strongholds that can be pulled down. Yes, we can. We have the authority. But there's a closer, more dangerous, damaging stronghold. And it's, God wants us, the devil wants us, oh yeah, pray over the stronghold over Tampa. Oh, it's such an evil, wicked city. Bind the devil over Tampa. But don't bind him over your thought processes in your mind. Yeah, bind him over the nation. Bind him over the city. They did that in Miami. They had a whole crusade. Several thousand people going to bind the spirit of addiction and drugs and murder in Miami. And guess what? People don't get saved and get right with God. And they keep giving place to the devil. You can't bind him. You better watch your back if you go to Miami. You better watch your purse and your husband. And your wife, for that matter. Tourists got off to ask directions from England in a rental car. They got off the main drag in Miami, pulled into a convenience store, and a guy killed them both and took their rental car. Come all the way over here from London to see Miami Beach. Honey, the devil's alive and well. And he's working. And we need to recognize where he works. And we need to take the battle to him where his strongholds are being built. And start with us. Not Miami. Start with us. Though we are in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Their weapons of warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's the next verse say? It identifies where the stronghold Casting down imaginations. Did you know you can read cancer statistics and imagine yourself getting sick and dying of it for sure? All you got to do is just read it all out without faith, without any faith and any trust in God. You can look up your family tree. I had a young woman, got saved in our church, backslid and started drinking like crazy. Had one opportunity to hear what had happened. Said, my daddy was alcoholic, my granddaddy was an alcoholic. In other words, it runs our family tree. I thought, you got a new family tree, darling. When you came to Christ, the curse was broken. The devil will run your family tree, your, your, every tree you got, but the curse is broken when you come to Christ. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Everybody say, yippee ki Bringing every thought into captivity to what? To the obedience of Christ. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Who said what? He said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Cheer up, darling. I've overcome the world. Can you say man? And then Paul goes on in that same chapter and says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are holy, can't get that from CNN or C-SPAN, can't get it from most of your Christian brothers and sisters. That's sad. But I'm going to tell the truth this morning. I'm, I'm too far in, into preaching, amen, to hold back what I know can set you free. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's hard to hear words of faith from brothers and sisters. Difficult to hear someone say God is on the throne. But some of you are different. Some of you go through all kinds of horrendous things. But you still say God is on the throne. And I say that devil can't keep on robbing them. The devil can't keep on uh, de- destroying, trying to destroy them because the devil can't keep on deceiving them. They got a made up mind. I made up my mind to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. And trusting in Him. Hallelujah. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are praiseworthy. It makes you want to praise God. Think. Think. Everybody say mind again. There it is, isn't it? Think. 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 On. And really, in the context, it's think only. On these things. And that involves what? A sound mind. Timothy, you make up your mind to trust God. All the gifts that are in you, stir up, he said. Stir up the gift. Stir up. That's what Satan's afraid of, that we're going to get stirred up spiritually. Can you say, man, and use everything God's given us in the Holy Spirit? You might win somebody to Jesus before you die. Wouldn't that be something? Amen. Come on, you might actually lead somebody to Christ. How? Because they'll ask you. For the reason of the hope that's in you. And everybody in here can tell them about Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think on these things. Count it all joy. Made up mind. Looking at things through the eyes of faith. With a renewed mind instead of fear and trepidation. Count it joy. Mathematical term. Count it joy. Doesn't feel joy to the body, emotions. Certainly the mind doesn't look for any joy in it. But you count it joy anyway. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. God will come through. God will come through. God will come through. Hallelujah. God will come through. I talked to this man this week who had an infection. Fighting that infection. Right in the middle of fighting the infection. Instead of waiting to see whether the antibody is going to work or not. He said, but I've went through a battle, but I'm walking in my healing. (laughs) 
He says, I'm weak, but I'm here. And, and what is here is walking in my healing. I'm getting better every day. I'm getting stronger every day. I'm not waiting to see if I'm going to get better. I'm going to come to church. And even before I come to church, what's in my spirit is going to get in my mind. And what's in my mind is going to come out my mouth. Brother Venable, in the middle of it, I'm walking in my healing. Well, what do you think is going to happen to him now? (laughs) He's what? He's healed. Hallelujah. He's getting better every single day. Well, he's got to, we've got to make up our mind. If you confess how you feel all the time, (laughs) we walk by faith and not by sight and not by feeling. But when we walk by faith, it can change our feelings. Hallelujah. So count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, James chapter 1, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. Don't rush God. Trust God. Let patience have her perfect work. Well, how, how does it have its perfect work? When you wait upon the Lord and you make up your mind to trust Him no matter what, and you find out that in His time and in His wisdom and in His way, He's going to come through for you. You become experienced in that. Now, if any man lack wisdom, not general wisdom, but specific wisdom in the context to trials and tests that come to all Christians, the very things that should make us question, God wants you to have wisdom on. Devil wants you to question God, and God, God wants you to be wise enough to know that He can subdue everything to Himself, and all things can indeed work together for good, even that thing that you thought shouldn't happen to you. If any man lack wisdom about what? Trials and tests. Let him ask of God for that specific wisdom. That giveth unto all men liberally, and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You've got to make up your mind. Because that's where the wavering comes in. Be renewed in your mind. For he that wavereth, what's he like? The wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. The wave can't go where it wants to go. It has no will. It's driven by the wind. You know what that means? That means that you and I are subject to the circumstances we're in at any given time. If things go good, we give God glory and praise. If things go bad, we pout and question and murmur. And we put out a welcome mat. We put out a welcome mat. The devil hears every word you say. And the Bible said, don't give him no place. Don't give him access. Because he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And Christ said, but I've come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. To and fro and tossed. I got victory, I don't. God is good, He isn't. I trust Him, I don't trust Him. Driven by the wind. But let Him ask in faith nothing wavering. For let not that man expect to receive anything from God. Now this is strict, 
This is straight. That's why we got to make up our mind. Because Satan wants you to disqualify yourself from God's help. Because he can't stop God from helping you. This is serious. I went to St. Joseph's Hospital, the old one, in closing. Time to go. I realize this is an important message. Spirit of addiction is everywhere, and it wants you. It wants me. I was under severe stress, nervous exhaustion. Took a vacation, went to a, a bed and breakfast type place because it was not like a motel with the hustle and bustle. Walked into my room and my wife was under the same thing, stress, and I felt like I was falling apart. And sitting there was a bowl of fruit and a bottle of wine. And a thought came to me. Guess where it came from? Yeah, the thought came to me. Because I tried prayer and rebuking the devil and having people pray for me and everything else. A thought came to me. If you drink a couple of glasses of that wine, you can lay down and sleep tonight. And you know what? It scared me. Because I thought if I drink two glasses of wine and go to sleep instead of being tormented in my mind because of the nerve condition. Then guess what? Instead of continuing to wait upon the Lord to seek Him, give me more wine. Wine is my answer. And I could be just as addicted as anybody else because I was looking for relief from somewhere. And if you've never been there, you just say, no, don't cut it. You've got to replace it with something. Come on, just saying no will not work. It's too simplistic. There's a spiritual thing going on. And I told my wife, I said, if, if I die, I'll die seeking God for deliverance. I won't turn to that drink. And I didn't die. I felt like I was going to die several times, but I didn't die. I'm alive and well because he's alive and well and his peace is real and his power is real. But I'm still yippee-tayoakayayan. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm still lassoing my thoughts. And I do it frequently because my mind is my mind. And so is yours. I went to St. Joseph's Hospital and my, my uncle, the preacher, was tied down. He has to go because he's got to pick up somebody from work. Uh, the word didn't hit him and he's so... <laughs> So convicted, he's running out. We'll pray for you, brother. We will pray. Now, he told me before the service. The rest of you, I don't know. But anyway, he told me, let's hurry. You want the end of this? You want a victorious end? I went to St. Joseph's Hospital, and my uncle was tied down. They had him tied down. And I asked the nurse, why do you have him tied down? said, because he is coming off of drug addiction. There's prescription drugs. And he got multiple. 
multiple prescriptions. No peace. Lost his family. Lost his ministry. Lost his walk with God. His peace with God. I looked at him. He always wore long sleeves. Maybe rolled up one cuff. But he had no sleeves in that gown. So they could put the IVs in and give him the medications to help him. But he, they had to tie him down. And I looked at a man who had cast out devils now that the devil had some control over. He didn't possess him, but he had an influence. And it started right here. Right here. Right here. You can get delivered from an evil spirit if you are lost and you have invited the devil in. But your mind, you have to, you have to allow the Word of God to renew your mind. We can't cast your mind out of you. You'd be like that hay guy. But there is a fix for it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He come out of there off of the drugs. He got lucid again. He came to church on a Wednesday night at the old Holy Church of God down in Suffering Springs. Can you say, man, where we pastored for 25 and then we ended up there and here and here. And he came to church, sat on the back row. And I remember the message I preached that night. I preached on the, on, on the eff efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness and power in the blood of Jesus. The restor restor restoration power. The restorative power of the blood of Jesus. And at the end of the service, a man came to the altar. And he was a preacher that used to preach the gospel in prominent churches that held a high office as far as his own biblical knowledge and preaching ability. But a man who had got addicted and the devil had taken everything that was anything to him away from him. But he didn't take the seed of faith in Christ. And he came and he got forgiven. And he got saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I said the preacher got delivered. The preacher got set free. The preacher got saved. Being a preacher doesn't shield you from the enemy. It marks you by him. We need something back in the church of Jesus Christ, Mike. We need a God who can actually come through. We need a Christ that can do what He promised. If He said, my peace I give you, we need to have just enough faith and made up mind to receive it from Him. We need that. We need it. If you need an aspirin, take it. If you need a Xanax to calm you, take it. But don't depend on it. Because if Satan can do that to a gospel preacher talking in tongues and casting out devils, and if the church lets this subversion enter in, to where our faith is only in the doctors, blue cross, blue shield, and no shield of faith. And when the doctor shakes his head, we have nowhere else to go because we haven't looked to God in a long, long time. And if there's one reason I'm in ministry, 
I've seen a lot of people come to Christ. But to see my own uncle, who I used to run when he come in the front door, I went out the back because he's a preacher and I was a sinner. But to be able to lead my uncle to Christ again, to repent and be restored, and to see it happen, and to have him come to me and say, you got any books that I can refresh myself in the Scripture? And I said, yeah, guess where I got them? I got them from you before you quit the ministry. And they're in my office. And I'm going to give you your books with your name in it right back to you to study. He said, I don't know if I'll ever preach again, but one thing I do know, I know, I know how to counsel people that, that, that are headed down the wrong road and where it's going to take them. And I know how to not only tell them where it's going to take them, but tell them there's a road back for you. Can you say amen? And can I have a Sunday school room? Can I have a Sunday school room? Amen. And just for counseling. I said, I'd love, hey, I got a lot of chicken littles to send over to you. Can you say, man, to help them? You've been there. You know where, what the devil can do and compromise will lead you. And you know what God can do to bring you back. But there are consequences to sin. And God, I believe, forgave him. But on the way back from a phosphate mine where he was a security guard in the wee hours of State Road 39, his body had become emaciated. He was weak and sickly. And working those late hours, he went to sleep at the wheel of his car. Swerved in front of a tractor trailer. The man came to the funeral that drove the tractor trailer. Said, I did everything I could to miss him. But he turned and I hit him enough, a glancing blow. Destroyed his car. Killed him instantly. He went home early. There are consequences to sin. I want to sound that warning. He said, I watched him nod off and swerve, but he kind of woke up and pulled it back, and I thought, it's okay, and immediately he come right over again. Tore the car all to pieces. His son went to the hospital, and I was told that there wasn't a mark on his body. There's no blood, no gashes, no tore-up physical visage. He just was instantly killed and went home. And I thought, Lord, when I stand in a pulpit, anywhere they'll have me, I'm going to tell that congregation the truth, the whole truth, and I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not here to offend. I'm here to challenge. I believe that we need a faith in God that will bring us a peace and a hope so that we don't have to run like Chicken Little looking for help and love in all the wrong places. Hallelujah. Brother Taylor, what are you going to play? Amazing Grace. Isn't that a perfect solution to this problem we face? Maybe we can get preachers off of alcohol. They're not bad people. I'm going to tell you something about alcoholics. They're not mean, ugly, bad people. They're people searching for something 
because of the mental torment they're going through. The spirit of addiction is marking those people. My son was with a Christian band. They all drank. And you know what? None of them became alcoholics. But when he drank, it hooked him. So if you're going to see how far you can push the issue of grace and say, well, what about a little wine? The doctor told him, if you, if you have just a little wine with your meals, it'll kill you. Your liver is messed up, and without God doing something, he'd be dead long ago. But God did something. About 30 years ago, right after the holidays, I would go to DUI school, and the, the teacher had everybody in there to, what profession are you from? And I mean, we had millionaires, judges, lawyers, doctors, yes. you name it. They, yes. But they were alcoholics. That's right. They got caught out there drunk. The spirit of addiction, whether, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, prescription, or otherwise, the spirit of addiction is looking for someone to latch on to. Pharmacos. They never repented of their pharmacos. If 80% of people on prescription drugs are going to get on cocaine when they can't get their prescription filled anymore, then it's not enough to just wean them from it. They need something more than what the drug can give them. I believe Jesus can give them that something. If I didn't believe that, then there's no hope for anybody. We're all trapped. And there's no way out. There is a way. Jesus said, I am the way. Just like he said, I'm the door. He's also the way. Hallelujah. And my uncle had those books in his back seat studying to tell you what I'm telling you this morning. There, there's a way that seemeth right that leads to destruction. But even if you're in that way, there's a way back. And Jesus is the way back into restoration. Praise God. Brother Taylor, would you play that? Would we just, just make a commitment this morning to start thinking about what we're thinking?